Hi, this is Renee Christensen, author of Training Them Wisely, Discipling Kids, my new book that is now out on Amazon. And if you haven't already, I hope that you will head on over and check that out. I am super excited about today's guests. Today, we're going to be talking to Andrew and his wife, Pearl Ann. They are foster parents. They've been foster parents and did that for years. And then they went and worked in a group home and took care of kids there. And they have so much wisdom about ways that we can help people that are in foster care, both the families and the children. And he's incredibly passionate about foster care. Andrew actually grew up in foster care as well for as long as he can remember. So he brings a unique perspective. And to hear their passion and their love for kids that are in foster care and for families that are in foster care and ways that we can help is really exciting. I was so inspired by talking to them and I am so excited for y'all to get to hear them. I am here with Andrew and Pearl Ann Absher, and we are going to be talking today about discipling foster kids and about being foster parents and different things about that. So I'm very excited to talk about this with them. Foster care is something that we can't do because of the number of kids that we have in our family, but it's something that I think is incredibly important. And I just, I can't wait to hear different ideas that they have about how we can help foster kids and help foster families. So first, um, just tell me a little bit about yourself and your family. All right, so my name's Andrew, and this is my wife, Pearl, and um, we've been married going on 10 years this August. Um, Like I shared earlier with you, we very quickly after getting married wanted to be foster parents uh, because of, I grew up in being a foster child and in the group home care because of the way that my siblings and I were being raised from our mother. So I just quickly felt that because of the things that I had been through and that I had walked through in the same shoes as these children that are now in the foster system, I wanted to become part of it. I wanted to be an advocate for these children and I wanted to be the most that I could be to show them that they could be different than what the world says they can be. Um, So we became foster parents after our second trial of becoming foster parents. We we became foster parents and how many how many children did we have in care? Fifteen children in foster care. How how many sibling groups was was that? Five sibling groups. I would say five sibling groups. And it varied from a couple weeks to eighteen months of how long they stayed with us. Yeah. So. And so, we had our biological twins. during fostering and we had sibling groups there was at one point in time how many children in car seats did we have five kids under five wow (laughs) i look back at that now and i'm like if i can do that i can do anything (laughs) (laughs) that's that is a lot of car seats my sister had four under four and i had three and so whenever the two of us would get together, we'd have seven in car seats that we'd be bringing in places. Everybody thought we were a daycare. I'm sure yes, you probably right. got the same thing, didn't you? Yeah. When I said all those car seats into the minivan, I was like, this is crazy, but we made it. We made it. We would climb into the back and try and, and lift them over the seat to put them in. I said, yes. <laughs> it, it made me, every single time that I was off work 
and with her and all the children, my anxiety level was out the roof. She did this every single day, <laughs> 40 times a day. And here I am on the weekends getting anxiety on how long it's taken to put all the kids in cars. <laughs> and it does take a while, doesn't it? Oh, it does. It's, yes. it's crazy. But I love that you would take an experience that is difficult and rather than becoming bitter about it, look at a way that you can make change. Yeah. And that's what God would want us to do in that situation. And you, I do think God allows you to go through trials so that you can help others that are going through the same situation. And with your background, you have a very unique ability to relate to people, to kids that are in foster care, because you've been through that. How old were you when you entered foster care? We were in and out of foster care as long as I can remember. I, I don't remember a time in my life growing up that we were not under some sort of DSS for something. Whether my mom was under investigation, whether we were in familiar placement, whether we were in foster care, I don't remember a time where DSS was not involved in our lives. Um, unfortunately, my mom got us back more than she should have. Um, she was very good at manipulating the system. My mom was very good at snowballing the system. Um, and and quite frankly, five kids to place it's is five. difficult for yes. the state. So it's 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 easy for them to try to see the good that was going on so that they could get that case off of their caseload. Mm. Um, well, Dana, hush, thank you. And you were, he is incredible with the kids and relating to them and having a heart and, and hearing them out and seeing things through their eyes. I have grown immensely through fostering and my compassion and rather than being judgmental, being understanding. So that's awesome. So is foster care something that you were interested in or did he just talk to you about it and you became interested in it? That's right. So he just talked about it and I was open to anything, but it sounded wonderful. I knew there was a need. And the more I got to know him, I knew there really was a need because of what his personal experience with it was. And so we jumped in head first and said, he, he says yes, a lot more than me. So when we first started fostering, you know, you can choose the ages and the gender. And a lot of people, you know, suggest for it to be easier to get younger than your bio children. Well, my bio children were only two when we started. So we automatically, our first placement was older than our children. Yeah. Um, first placement one day at four and six or five and six. Yeah. And then we started... He's like, oh, there's this teenager. Let's take a teenager. And I was like, babe, I've never raised a teenager. <laughs> He's like, it's okay. And I was so against it. Um, and I look back and smile because we learned a lot. And yeah. we still communicate with that teenager. I mean, he's not a teen anymore. And But saying yes, say yes to the hard things. Because I felt completely out of my comfort zone. And quite frankly, a lot still do. My children right now are currently only seven and a half. So that's all the experience that God has given me aside from all these other kids. And so you feel like you're not equipped, but God, God uses you. And if you're willing to it, God can do great things. 
I think if you feel like you're equipped to, then you're not going to be leaning as much into God mm-hmm. as you yep. might need to be leaning into him. And whenever you actually, for me, whenever I've had to do things that are difficult that I don't feel equipped for, it's been we easier in many ways because I'm not relying on my own strength. That's right. So That's right. one question that I've had from a lot of people, I didn't actually give you this question, but one reason that people have said that they're hesitant to do foster care is because of the hurt that they would feel whenever they love a child and That's then they have to let the child go. So what, I mean, I know that it it would hurt. I, mm-hmm. I have no doubt, but at the same time, you're able to give that child love. What, what do you have to say to that question? Uh, Very simple. Are you answering that? I'll answer. I'd rather love that child for one minute mm-hmm. than to not be able to love them at all. Yeah. Because I, yeah. I agree. I, that's the number one answer I get to people all the time. They, they come up to me and they're like, oh, I could never. It would hurt too much. I could never get that attached. Get that attached. Yes. What if that's the only attachment that child ever gets? Mm-hmm. And what if that's the only Jesus that that child ever gets to see? Yeah. And so, because our hearts, I mean, I can cry right now if I think about our kids and stuff. Um, the hurt's there. It's real, but I would much rather know that that child was loved from the bottom of our hearts and from God, and they yes. felt the love from our community and our church and our family and friends, knowing that they were loved and having felt that than to go through bouncing home to home or whatever their story takes them, not knowing true love because someone was afraid to love them fully. Because my children know that they're loved fully, my twins. But all these foster kids, I can't imagine them not knowing it. So do it. It's going to hurt, but do it anyways. Because, and I mean, even with my biological children, watching them go through heartbreak is much harder than myself. Because I can't explain it away much easily as, you know, I know the reasons the children left. And I know the reasons of a lot of things. And my children don't understand all of it. They've cried at bedtimes for weeks on end. But I know the the other children also knew that they were loved loved. and felt that love. And I hope that's the only thing they have to grasp on to until until whatever. I mean, it's an open-ended thing. Whenever, if, if they lay in bed every single night and can think back to when we loved them like Christ loved them, then we've done what we were supposed to do. And if you think about Christ's love and how sacrificial his love was for us, his love is for us. And so he didn't love only whenever it was easy, right? He loved us whenever we hated him. He loved us whenever we were still sinners. And so it is, it's a beautiful picture of Christ's love. And that child is actually getting to experience that love. So even if it does hurt, that's so much better for the child. and so much better for you because that's what we're called to do. Right, we're called to love others and show biblical love in action, and that sounds like exactly what y'all are doing. But it's it's hard. So when yeah. people tell me it, I tell them, yeah, it is I hard. You attach. It's the hardest thing you ever do. Hurt. They're like, oh, I could never. You could, but it's hard. Yeah. You could, it, but it does hurt. It doesn't take the hard out of it. It doesn't make it all rainbows and butterflies. It's, but I would. It's what God has called us to do, and I feel very selfish knowing that you know, God has called us to love others as he loved us, but I'm going to hold that to myself because I don't want to go through that pain. And I'm, I can't do that. Well, that's not the way God loves us. Yeah. God doesn't, 
shown us a way because of the hurt that we're going to hurt him. We're going to, we're, we stab him in the back every day, but he loves us unconditionally. Yes. And he calls us to do that to everybody else. Yeah. He's setting that example for us. Yes. Yes. I love that. I really do. So this is why you're so passionate about foster care. I think you've kind of covered that. It's because of your experiences and then the experience that, she, that you've had where you've been able to affect these kids. So what, as foster kids, they have been in unique situations. I'm sure that every single child has been in different situations. I'm a nurse. And so we've had to place kids into foster care from the hospital. So I've seen the background mm -hmm. of what some kids have gone through before they go into foster care, which I know can be difficult. Mm -hmm. um, so... Um, sorry, that was my husband coming over <laughs> making an announcement. He doesn't know I'm on the phone. Um, so what with their special unique needs that they've had and the special issues that they're facing, what kind of how can what what different things have you done that you need to do a little differently from a child that hasn't had those same experiences as you're teaching them about God, as you're showing them love? What a lot of grace. Mm -hmm a lot of grace and a lot of listening and talking about it before you react, like pondering and, you know. Yeah, don't. It's don't. not something you deal with right there in the moment. It's, we usually, if it's serious things, we've pulled away from the children and got together as a married husband and wife support system. And then we've gone to the children. Like she said, we've had all the way from birth to 17 years old um and those two age ranges are completely different of mm -hmm. what you're going to do obviously a newborn baby you just literally take care of their day-to-day -day needs and love them play with them and and it's it's a lot of joy that comes in that and then you have a 17 year old who has been in doctrine and and heart their culture has been that way for 16 17 years yeah, you're not going to change that Overnight. through really anything you say verbally. It's going to be through your actions and through you putting on their shoes with them and walking with them and being there for them. And as little judgment as we can humanly possibly handle in that situation is going to take you the furthest. That makes a lot of sense. I and being myself frequently working with the teenagers and the older kids and even the middle schoolers is it's not their fault that they're in foster care. Mm -hmm. It's not the child's fault. Um, and the actions, most of them that they are doing, if you get to know their parents, most of the time they're mimicking what they've been taught. Mm -hmm. And so I can get my sinful nature can get very frustrated with working with some of them who are really hard to work with because of trauma and just all that they know. That's what they know to do is to be hard, you yes. know, and to pull back and to fight against it and all of that. And so it's a lot of not responding immediately and just being understanding that you can't change them overnight and only God's grace is going to change them. And, but it's because we had, we've had a couple, you know, and they're just, hard to work with, but 
it's it's what they were raised to do. And you can't just expect a magic wand of, oh, I'm going to love you. I'm going to do all this. And now you're going to be grateful and respectful. And all, and it's, it's not, no, it's not going to be, it's, it's hard, but it's, it does, you do see the change. And it's obviously good when two people talk because he can balance me out. And when I'm not feeling it, he can. And so we talk to each other and can balance each other out pretty well yep. with, you know, seeing the positives and seeing the change that sometimes you have to really look for. Yes. I've told the, I've told many, many of the children that we have had in our care, whether it be foster care or group home care, I have told them flat out, I have, when they're mad at me because I'm giving them rules and those rules are, so we're, I lived in the girl's cottage with teenage girls and I would get mad at them if they randomly start kissing on a guy at McDonald's, like literally start randomly kissing a guy at McDonald's. And I have to tell her, you want me to respond in love, right? Well, yeah, of course I want you to respond to me in love in that situation. Well, my daughter, you know, lives in the cottage with us when we're here. How would I respond with her kissing a guy at McDonald's? Well, you wouldn't like it. You'd probably beat his tail. Okay. So you want me to love you like I love my daughter, right? You want me to die for you and sacrifice my life for you the same I would for Grace Ann, right? Like you you have those expectations and I want to do that. So you've got to understand that for me to love you like that, it's going to, I've got to say hard things sometimes, but it's out of love and it's because I... I tell them all the time, if I cannot sacrifice my life for you, I have no business being here and being in your life. I need to treat you as far, as best as I can as my biological children, plain and simple. And obviously we do that with being trauma informed of what they've been through. So it's, it looks completely different. Whereas if my daughter, although she's only seven years old, but if my daughter was randomly kissing somebody at McDonald's, I assure you, I did not handle that situation the way I did with my child. Yes. And every single child is different. Even children that have not been through trauma, you know, my seven children are completely different and how I raised them has to be completely different. But that, I love how you said that, how you talked to them about how you want to treat them like they're your child. That has to be so wonderful for them to hear. So I've worked with kids in the projects that are very hard um, and have completely different culture. And I've worked with their parents as well. And it is, they, they, like you said, you have to look sometimes for what you're seeing with those changes, but the changes actually are there. It's so wonderful. that. So I love how you said too, that the two of you together can talk about the changes that you've seen, because that's what you need sometimes. Um, We've, you know, the people that I work with, we talk about the positive improvements that we've seen because yes, those positive improvements might still not be where we would hope that they would be. And it's so in their culture when they've been hurt so much to be very hard and to not be appreciative at all. Um, at first, you know, just, I think like even testing the waters and just Mm-hmm. not being used to saying thank you, not being used to do these things. And so we did have a lot of, we, we've had a, a lot of that, but it's like you said, it's those small steps that you can make. And I really, really love how you talked about 
that that's how you would treat your child. So that's how you'd want to treat them. I think that's beautiful because that's what God does for us too, right? Whenever we're adopted into God's family, we're heirs. Just like, I mean, we're heirs to the promise where this, this is a beautiful example. I know that fostering is different than adoption, but you're really treating them with that same kind of love that you would for any child. I've had, we had a teenager in our home one time and, and I could not treat her as my own, plain and simple. There was not a connection there. There was, there was that time I was not in a place where I felt like I was going to be able to love her like my own and benefit her like I would my own child. And, and I had to ask DSS to remove her. She was only there for three days, but I didn't feel that I was going, and I'm, I'm very serious. If I cannot give my life for you as my daughter, or if I cannot treat you as my daughter or my son, then I have no business being here in for you because I, I'm not, I'm not here for you the right way. And I, I had to ask DSS to, to find another placement for her because I didn't feel like I was doing the right thing by her. There's more to the story, but yes, yeah. But, it, it, yeah. but no, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. And kids can have, there can be so many issues that you do have coming in with all sorts of things that they've been exposed to and do. Yeah. So that's a beautiful thing that you're doing. Um, so what are some myths about foster kids or being a foster parent that you think people think that are not actually accurate? We say, fostering is not too hard. It needs to be normalized just as the same as married couple having kids. So married couples, they're always, it's never the right time to have a baby, but they do it. That's true. (laughs) Nobody does it. It's never normal. And I think fostering is the same way. It's under the stigma of it's too hard or I'm going to get too attached. So let's not do it because it's not the right time. It's not ideal. It was not the right time when we did it. It never is ideal. So there's this myth of it's too hard. I can't do it. You you can't. It it's I and I really do want to equivalent it to having kids. It's never the right time to have kids. It's never the right time to get married. It's never the right time to have kids. And it's never the right time to foster. But for some reason, people get married. And for some reason, people have kids as if it's normal. And I think fostering should be normalized that much. I love that. I love that. That's exactly right. And yes, because we're supposed to be taking care of kids. Kids were loved by Jesus. He said, let them come to me. I mean, there's so many things that he said, and he just, he elevated kids in that way and, um, and their importance and how they should be treated. So I love that. Um, and so what are some ways that you've been able to disciple kids? I know that you're showing them love, um, but how are you able to teach them about Jesus and about your faith there as they're in your home? So on a, we've already said it several times. I, whatever day I wake up, I treat the kids like God treats me. I show the number one goal that I wake up with every single morning is I want to show Christ's love to people. If that's the only thing that I do, then I feel like I've won because the Bible talks over and over and over again, 
how much we should love other people more than we do ourselves, as much as we do ourselves. And if that one thing is what I focus on personally, mm-hmm. um, I want to disciple people in general, everybody, not just foster children, but I want every single person that I touch in a day to feel like I love them the way Christ loves them. And I think that's great because I think discipleship is having a loving relationship that's centered on Christ. That's my definition of discipleship. And so that's pretty much what you just said, that you're loving them exactly like Christ did. It's in our daily life, whether we're singing worship music or memorizing verses with my children, they're hearing that and they're seeing it. They're seeing Christ be a central part of the family life and the home life. And so they're going to see that and they can take from it what they want. It's never, you know, forced on them, but they go to church with us. They join us in the activities when we're reading the Bible together, when we're singing the songs and memorizing verses and going to activities, you know, around. And I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's in the daily life. So, because that's really what so much of discipleship is, it's just imitation and living life together. And that's what you're doing with your own family. I remember one time we had a child in our home. And she only spoke Spanish. We spoke through an app on our phone. Um, she was so uncomfortable. But the day the day after she was placed in our home, she had to go to court. And so I drove her to court. We couldn't communicate the whole way she's in my truck. She don't know me from nobody. And I'm taking her to court. And I didn't know what else to say. I didn't know what else to do. It's not like I could use the app to talk back and forth on her while I'm driving down the road. I just turned on my Christian music and sang to her the whole way. And that's all I knew to do to show Christ's love at that moment. Yeah. But it, that I think that one situation where I drove her to court changed our entire relationship, even though that we had only known her for eight hours. That changed our whole entire relationship. And the short relationship that we were able to have with her was mm-hmm. very deep. Because I was willing to sing to her all the way to court, Christian music. And that's just, you know, showing Christ's love, it can look so many, so different in so many ways. And I was thinking, like, the corniest thing is, and she said we listen to Christian music, but I walked through the hallways playing my Sonos radio on Christian music, singing as loud as I can possibly be singing, (laughs) and letting the girls see that, that I'm loose and that. I'm real, you know, and that Christian music is how I found Christ. So it's really close to my heart. And the words that are spoken in Christian music is very deep to me. Mm-hmm. And they're remembered better. Anything that you put to music, yep. that's what you remember. Said that by playing Christian music, those songs and words are getting into their heart and they're going to stay there. So yep. that's, that's awesome. Um, so how can we help foster parents? I have a lot. Okay. Um, <laughs> Hope I'm like I've got a newborn. Literally. Um, we we have a lady, she started a foster closet. Um, and it's it's a full on thing. Now she started it out the back of a church and now she's got a huge warehouse. And but her she's got this cliche phrase, if you can't foster if you can't, um, not everyone can foster, but everyone can help. That's her phrase. Not everyone can foster, but everyone can help. I love that. And the depth of that is send a phone call, 
you know, pray for them, bring them a meal because the first couple of weeks that you get a kid, you're drowning. It's like literally having a newborn, even if you have a teenager. There are so many unnecessary appointments that DSS mandates, and it is a lot. And if you get three little kids, you have to figure them out. Car seats, they have twice as many doctor's appointments. It's it's just a lot. And um, when we first started fostering, we were not part of um, a super supportive in the fostering you know, world. They were a great church, but they weren't like all big into fostering. And so we wasn't the same. We found a church through the middle, like two ways, two years into fostering, and it changed our life. They were so supportive. The people were so welcoming. I would show up with new kids, and I had a whole swarm of ladies and people come, and they were like, here, let me take them to this class. Here, let me get you what you need. Let me connect you with someone who's been similar. Um, when we took in our Hispanic girl who only spoke Spanish, that was my no. I told Andrew, I said, babe, we don't speak Spanish. And he said, but DSS has asked us like five times. They can't find her a Spanish speaking home. So what if we just take her anyways? And I was like, babe, please tell DSS we don't speak Spanish. I'm in over my head and I will tell them that. <laughs> and we did. We expressed it to them. But at the end of the day, Andrew and I looked at each other and we were like, if we're the only ones willing to say yes, I'd rather have her come here than sleep in the DSS office. And so we took her. And we mm. went to church. I think we took her on a Saturday night, whatever. But we, were we went church. Sunday morning. We went to church. Oh, we met Carlos. And I was like, and this is, I think, also my second week at that church. And I went up to the lady that I just met. And I was like, I don't speak Spanish. So who's here? Who here speaks Spanish? Who can I meet? And she brought me a huge family who is from Colombia, where she was, our girl. And we went out to lunch with them, and it was wow. just an overwhelming sense of community and support and love. And the rest of our fostering journey until we went to the children's home was just so much support. Um, when we got new placements, they put us on a meal train, and they know, moms heard that I did foster care in the ages, and they brought me hand-me-down clothes and provided books and toys and just all the things. But it's if you can't foster, you can help. You can. And not everyone is called to fostering, but you can help. And whether it's as simple as a prayer or a phone call, because I still have a little note. I keep my little notes that friends wrote me with Bible verses on my fridge because they brought it and they thought it was so simple. But that changed my day that day, yep. you know, yeah. because I was having a really rough day where I didn't think I was going to make mm -hmm. it through it. And someone called me and was like, hey, we're praying for you. And we're thinking of this. And it seems so little and so overrated, but it's not. Because when you're going through the trenches and you're going through the hard stuff, that support is not, you know, it's invaluable. Yeah. And so. It's the body of Christ working together. It is the body of each other. It really is. And so not everyone is called to fostering, but everybody can help. I love and that. I've got a friend right now in her church wants to adopt the idea of adopting a foster family. And I said, please do that. That would be life-changing. Yeah. Like truly, because if you adopted that foster family and supported them, you're you're just as much fostering almost. You know what I mean? Like you're able to help that family succeed and do well because it, it is a lot, you know? So I'm very passionate that. about that. And I truly just believe that everybody can help. What Everybody wonderful ideas. 
What wonderful ideas. I've done the clothes, I've done the praying, I've done that, but I haven't thought about meals before with it being a newborn. Those are wonderful ideas. I love that. Are coming to set because we, Andrew and I tried to go to um, the court dates. They were very important to us to sit in the courtroom and hear because you'll hear stuff that your caseworkers won't tell you and signing well, it. They can't tell you, simply they can't tell you legally. But you can hear them in the court date if you can go. But finding a babysitter for all those kids. So we had a neighbor offer to babysit, you know, and allow us to go to some of those important dates. And that was huge. That yeah. was huge. It wasn't a date, but we it was a date because we got to go to the court. And that was really, really a priority. So is there any other ways that you can think of that we can help foster families? Yeah, I would just like to simplify it a little bit. It's... When we started fostering, we had our biological children. We had our day-to-day lives that still had to be accomplished. And then you throw the mix of three brand new children. On average, when we got children in last minute without anything to their belongings, we would spend on average about seven to $900 per child, depending upon what they needed. Car seats, um, pack and plays, beds, mattresses, clothes. Oh, yeah, we switched beds a lot. We switched beds a lot. It's just a lot. So fostering is a lot. But every single simple gesture that anybody ever done for us meant the world to us. It could have been the biggest or the smallest things, but everything came together to help us be successful. So just think of your day-to-day lives and what you need. and then. Imagine that you were randomly dropped three children in the middle of the night. What would you need in that? Because we are so busy and so drowning when something like that takes place. We're not going to pick up, pick up the phone and call you and ask for you to step up and do that. It's it's honestly just people thinking of things that we need because we don't have time of day to reach out to people and start asking. That makes sense because it is literally like getting three new children. Just, and so you have to go to the store and buy them everything and be up at, oh yeah, yeah. Things I had not thought of. Insert yourself against their will because like, I mean, we're not going to pick up the phone and call Renee in the middle of the night and say, Hey, we just got three kids. We really need a helping hand, you know? At the same time to be able to come over and to, yeah, that's, to bring meals or to help with childcare for all the appointments and everything. Those are just great tips. I don't know that many people would have thought of. So that's incredibly helpful. I really appreciate that very much. So you mentioned Bible verses and things that people have sent you. So what are some Bible verses that have, or one Bible verse that's meant a lot to you guys that has helped you? So um, I picked out for today, John 15, 12 through 13. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for his friends. And it's just super simple. It's, once again, the Bible talking about how we should love others. Mm-hmm. And I think the I told her before this podcast today, the world is getting lost of loving one another. We want to overcomplicate it and judge each other. And, oh, their sin is different than mine. And I'm so much better than them. But 
we just need to love. I mean, no matter what, I'm sinning every single day as the same as the other person. I might not like their sin, and I might be convicted on what they're doing more than what they're convicted on what they're doing. But we just need to love. I mean, I think that's the simple medicine to a lot of the negative stuff going on. I so agree. I um, recently spoke on love and how it was the greatest commandment that was given. And then after Jesus said that, he gave the story of the Good Samaritan. And what struck me whenever I was studying that passage so much is that the Samaritan would have been hated by the Jew and not spoken to. And so he went over to somebody that would have hated him and wouldn't have spoken to him. And then he got messy because he was covered in wounds, right? So he was literally willing to get right in there with the mess. He didn't look down on him and he chose to love him. Then he was willing to provide all of the material needs that were needed for someone that didn't love him back. Yep. And that was the example of somebody that we can give love to. And that really, if you think about people that have been through kids that have been through hard times, they can't, kids can't control their emotions as well as adults can. They've been through hard times. They've been rejected. And that's what you're doing. You're opening up your hearts to them. Just like Paul said, after he'd been hurt so many times, he said, I love with my heart wide open where he wasn't willing to, to let hurts get in the way of his love. And that's how we're supposed to be. Regardless of hurt or anything, we're supposed to love others just like Jesus did. Mm-hmm. Um, we're supposed to love God first, and we're supposed to love others. And so, by doing that, I think that's a perfect verse for what you're doing. Yeah. yeah, I and and that doesn't mean that we have to accept those things that they're doing mm-hmm. wrong. It love we can show them in a loving way that what the Bible says about what we're doing. Yes. Yes, because that's showing love too. You can't, yeah. if you're loving somebody, then you're showing them the truth about yeah. what needs to, to happen. Yep. That's awesome. So are there any books that you would recommend that anybody read about that are interested in foster care or anything like that? This book, um, Reframing Foster Care. Uh, Filtering Your Foster Parenting Journey Through the Lens of the Gospel by Jason Johnson. So reframing foster care. Um, it's been my favorite book. I've gone through it more than once. Um, I've read it a lot with Andrew. It's got discussion questions. And honestly, it's good for parenting. It's amazing for parenting. Um, because you're, you know, through the lens of the gospel and parenting through that. But it's really deep and it's really basic. I, I do well with like, this is my point. <laughs> and it's it's a really, really good book. It was given to me by one of the ladies at the church. Um, She's like, hey, do you remember this book? And I was like, no. And I read it and I was like, this is the best book ever. I think everyone needs to read it. Reframing Foster Care. Reframing Foster Care. Awesome. Well, I will get that myself, actually, because I would, that sounds like something I would enjoy reading. So you would. It's a really good book. Um, Like I said, for parenting, it applies to parenting. I, I, I jump through it and reread, you know, remind myself of these things. But working with kids who, have not been in your home, you know, and then trying to love them when they're not wanting that love and trying to reach them when they've been through the trauma and everything, you know, and you're trying to do it and trying to get the gospel to them without preaching at them. It's, it's tough. It's tough. So it's, it's been a really, really good book for me. I would recommend it to anyone. 
That's amazing. Thank you so much. So is there anything else that y'all would like to, any other thoughts that you'd like to share with the listeners before you go? Well, personally, I want to thank you, Renee, for um, your passion, your passion and for asking us to be on this podcast with you. Um, you've shared with us that you can't foster because your number of children that you have in your home. But you know how my wife said, you may not be able to foster, but everybody can help. Yes. You doing what you're doing right now. You took time out of your busy day and made a priority for us to be able to share something that somebody else may resonate with mm-hmm. and it may speak to somebody and it may cause one more child to be loved and to be yeah. unconditionally loved. And it may cause one more family to, to be talked over the edge of becoming foster parents. Yeah. So what you're doing is awesome. And thank you so much for doing yeah, and hopefully, that. Hopefully be able to also help foster families like your yeah. own and to realize that importance. I think that was really, really helpful yeah. too. So if people are interested in foster care, what do they need to do to look into becoming foster parents? Do y'all, do can you speak to that? Is it different for each county? Is it? So you can go be foster parents directly through any DSS agency, okay. or you can go through uh, Christian agencies or even non-Christian agencies if you would prefer to do like a secular foster care. There is hundreds of licensed foster care groups in North Carolina. I mean, it, well, I didn't even realize how many there are. They're everywhere. Every county, you know, has their own DSS. Yes. And you can get licensed through your county. Okay. Most counties. I don't know of one that you can't. So I'm pretty sure every county you can just get licensed through your own county. Um, but some people choose to go. We've done both. We've been licensed through the county and we've been licensed through a private agency. Yep. Um, when you get licensed through a private agency, you just have a buffer. So when you work with the county, there's you and you deal with your social worker and your kids, you know, the social worker that they get assigned to them. That's who you deal with. When you get a private agency, you go, you still deal with the social worker, but you have a case manager from the private agency and they're there on your behalf. And so they're that buffer. Um, so they all have their pros and cons. Um, so the pros of having another person fighting for you and for your um, rights, you know, as a Christian and stuff like that in the fostering world. Um, and if you get a private agent, you know, a Christian agency, you have that support. Um, the cons a lot of times is you can end up with a little bit more paperwork, a little bit more um, legwork because now you're answering to your agency and DSS. Yep. Okay. So your agency you're working for two people instead of one group. Instead of one. So there's pros and cons, um, but I would say do your research. It, it depends on on your situation. You may need to get licensed a specific way for your family because licensing um can be com- not complicated, but the classes can be tedious and some people aren't able to do it. So they can go just find the easiest one to get licensed with, um, which is what my husband and I did. We found the easiest way they were able to, cause he worked a full-time job and I stayed home with the kids, but to be able to make it to the classes for seven weeks, um, there were classes every week for a couple hours. He was not able to make them. And we were like, we're never gonna be able to foster. We can't make the classes. So we found an agency that moved their hours around and met with us on a timetable that worked for us. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. So there's several different ways. The biggest 
the biggest advice that I would give to somebody, we jumped right in. Um, we did MAP classes. We did everything we needed to do, become foster parents. And we had not had consultations with other foster parents very much. Mm-hmm. After becoming foster parents, we have met a ton of foster parents. And I wish that I would have had their advice becoming foster parents before we became foster parents because it's the 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 knowledge that you gain from a current foster parents is invaluable to what anybody is ever going to tell you or show you or guide you with so i i would highly recommend you find anybody that wants to become foster parents find three or four different foster families and I, as busy as they are maybe just one yeah. yeah, just talking to one because we did <laughs> talk to them because they're going to tell you information that they've learned the hard way, and yeah. it may just save it may save one thing, one piece from learning the hard way, and that's very very beneficial if you can do that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for talking to me. Thank you for what you've done for these kids. I think it's something that's really special to be able to actually show a child love, especially whenever they've come from hard times and they're, they can be hard to have any of that time that they can have somebody loving them. So I'm incredibly thankful that y'all are doing that. I think it's something that's so important in a kid's life and really it can make a difference. You know, it really can make a difference. Even that, that small impact that you can have in somebody it can make a difference and it can be something that they can remember. I personally remember my fourth grade Sunday school teacher. She was with me one hour a week, but she made the biggest impact on my life of anybody that I can remember in my childhood other than my parents. And so I do think even those small impacts, even if they're less time than what you wish it could be, it can make a big difference in a kid's life. I really think it can. And God can use that to make a difference in their life later, you know? So I just, I think it's absolutely wonderful what you're doing. So thank you very much for doing it. And thank you so much for being on the show with me. I really appreciate it very much. Yeah. Yeah.